You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for tauntauns and twinks. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, baby. What's going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. But, but I was like, in my head, I'm like, I can totally Superboy Prime punch this so it makes sense, <laughs> you know? I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. Grimlock, I told you to take care of things while I was gone. <laughs> we do a podcast? What the fuck? It's not what the fan holes bitch about, but their actions that define them. You're listening to Fan Holes, a pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans. All right, folks. Welcome back to Fan Holes. This is actually Fan Holes, the podcast, not just a sidecast. We've uh, been playing up sidecast for a little while just to kind of throw a little bit of a wrench into the mix, try to make things a little bit different. But we Our are back with it. podcast is back. <laughs> and perfectly recall. <laughs> we are doing a full show tonight, though, and we do have everyone here. Everyone! They will still say their names because, well, it's tradition, but we are all here this week. I really... Wish I could give you a awesome title for this show, but really, we're just going to be talking about Batman and Superman. It's going to be kind of a here and now thing, like some of the stories that we're going to be talking about are, you know, when they were first starting out, like Year One, which, you know, we'll be bringing up as well as Man of Steel and whatnot, and then what happens when they get near the end of their careers, I guess you would say, as crime fighters. Just really just good old-fashioned geek talk. Talk about some comics. Talk about some comic book superheroes. Yeah. Mainly, it was, it was kind of brought to our attention because of a DVD that's coming out later on in the coming week. But we'll talk about that as well later. So it's going to be a big roundtable discussion. Not really topic-oriented. We're just going to throw stuff out there and see what sticks and see what everybody wants to talk about. So no need to really tell you any more than that. We're just going to go ahead and let everybody know who's here. I am Tony. I am Chainclaw. And... I'm not Batman. Hey, this is Brian, a.k.a. Breakdown. It's good to be back with you fellas. Thanks, sir. This is Derek, Derek WC. Where is he? Hey, it's Mike Thunderwing, and uh, I am also not Batman. Hey, this is Justin Grimlock, and I am actually the Batman of Earth-X. Ah, well done. Do you, do you fight Nazis? Yes. Somebody's <laughs> got to fight them. Yes. You lollygaggers aren't doing shit. Come on now. <laughs> um, actually, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to like kind of let Derek kind of start off. This is kind of his baby. He kind of thought up the idea for this episode and stuff. So I'm just going to let him kind of get the ball rolling with whatever. Not like I said, not really topic, but what really want what he really wanted to start talking about first because this is it's going to be a very very topic. There's going to be a lot of stuff we can just jump in with and chime with about our thoughts. So I kind of want him to control his monster and yeah yeah, yeah no problem i just, got it uh basically like what what i was kind of thinking of is since the batman year one direct to video is is going to be released pretty soon its release date is well i guess it's been released on netflix and the playstation store and things like that online 
but you can also get the you know brick and mortar copy on October 18th, and that's being shipped to me from Amazon currently. But basically, what's going on on the podcast is I just thought it'd be a good idea to discuss some of the source material from that series, which is Batman Year One by Frank Miller, which was a four-part comic that ran through Batman 404 to 407, and then sort of, we're kind of doing a compare and contrast, you know, it's it's like Tony was mentioning, Batman Year One is sort of the start of Batman's career at a point, and then Frank Miller also, before that, wrote The Dark Knight Returns, which is taking a look at a possible end of, of Batman's career, kind of like the final story, in a way. And just to compare and contrast that with Superman, because basically it seems like Batman Year One's already been made a direct-to-video. It, they're planning to make Dark Knight Returns a direct-to-video release. I don't know if there's any Superman stuff planned. I remember hearing something about maybe whatever happened to Truth, Justice, in the American way where he fights the elite being a direct-to-video, but I haven't heard too much on news for, you know, individual Superman direct-to-videos since All-Star Superman, so I thought maybe it'd be a good idea to compare and contrast Superman's first story in the same era. You know, Batman Year One came out around 1987, 86, and The Man of Steel came out around the same year, 1986, which was by John Byrne, which was the first reboot after the crisis and that's a six issue miniseries which basically gives you you know the the contemporary you know 1980s origin of superman and then of course looking at say the final story which came out right before that actually which is the the perennial favorite alan moore's whatever happened to the man of tomorrow and so uh, you know i just kind of thought it'd be an interesting topic in terms of you know, do do all the fan holes, you know, that have read these comics, do they still hold up for the fan holes? You know, do do you like, you know, the Batman ones better than the Superman ones? Do you like the Superman ones better than the Batman ones? Do you think they'd work well as direct-to-video adaptations? Or do you like the story so much, maybe you'd rather they be left alone, you know, and it's an Alan Moore-type reaction where you're like, movies are rubbish, or, you know, whatever his deal is, you know, and that kind of stuff. So that that's basically, you know, that's the genesis and the idea of, of what this discussion is you know me personally like i i really love whatever happened to the man of tomorrow you know it's one of my favorite superman stories it's like the number one story on my top 10 list it, you know if they were going to make something out of whatever happened to the man of tomorrow i i would hope it would be better than like say the justice league unlimited episode though that had mongol in it it's like that you know it worked for the 22 minutes i suppose but you know they they kind of cut a bunch of things out and shorten things for time and that kind of stuff you know and i would hope you know with the 70 minutes you know maybe they'd get a chance to do a, a more full and complete story you know so that, that you know that's kind of like my take on things you know i i i you know in dark knight returns i love you know that was one of the earliest batman stories i ever read where it kind of turned everything on its head for me. You know, I, I was kind of used to the whole Adam West Batman. So, like, all of a sudden I read this story and I'm like, oh, holy crap, Adam West is all badass and he's, you know, kicking the shit out of people. And it was kind of <laughs> a real head-turner to me because I hadn't seen Batman. You know, it kind of, in a way, it's kind of the start of the whole grim and gritty era of comics. You know, year one, while it's, uh, Schner Gordon is sort of the main character in that, it's still a really great story, I thought. And Man of Steel, like, uh, you know... It's weird, because I, I think for, for me at the time when I was a kid, 
it was nice to have a story where you felt like you could start from the beginning, you know, because, I mean, it's not like you could just go out. I guess you could. Like, there were reprints of Action Comics number one always printed and stuff. But, you know, it was nice to sort of start from the beginning of of a Superman story and kind of go, oh, okay, here we go. This is where he started, you know, and sort of follow it from that point on. So in that sense, I remember, you know, that was back before I even knew about comic book specialty shops, you know, and I was just picking up copies of Man of Steel in the, the you know, like Safeway, the grocery market or whatever, or Quick Stop or something like that, you know. So, you know, it was interesting because I, I, you know, you get to see Batman and Superman first interact and, Lois Lane and the first time he meets Lex Luthor and Bizarro and all that kind of stuff, Lana Lang. And so, you know, that that's basically all I sort of wanted to talk about was what people thought of those stories and, and, and how maybe you saw the adaption of year one, like if you liked it, if you didn't like it. You know, me personally, I was kind of disappointed with it. But, I mean, I know some other people really enjoyed it. So, I you know, I just want to see what, what everybody thinks. Okay, cool. I mean, just for like a random, I guess, not really point, but maybe a question for everybody. I was I was kind of curious about is like th- there was a story by Kevin Smith that a lot of people give a lot of shit to because it kind of references year one here and there a little bit. And, you know, they, they kind of mocked that because it was told more jokingly. But my, my, I guess, question is, is was it cool to see Batman as – not completely the badass that he became later on, you know, he was, he was, he made a couple of mistakes, you know, there's like points where like, you know, he, he like does some of his, you know, trademark bat stuff and he's still kind of new to it and he kind of, you know, fumbles a little bit or, you know, nothing horrible. I mean, he doesn't make an ass of himself, but he's like, you know, when he, you know, takes a hard land and he's like, ouch, that was well, some ribs, you know? <laughs> well, a good, a good example of that, that's not over the top, like the Kevin Smith stuff and the, the widening guy or whatever, but like, you know, not, not shitting his pants or peeing his pants or whatever. Yeah. But like, if you look at year one, you know, there's the instance where he goes out and tries to stop his first crime where the guys are ripping off the TV set out of the fire escape, you know, and he lands and he misjudges it. And the guy's going to fall off the fire escape and die. Cause they're like 10 stories up and, you know, and he's got to hold the guy and the other guys are kicking him and beating him. And, you know, basically he almost like, fucks everything up or you know when he first goes out before he's batman he gets shot you know so like there's elements of that where he's not perfect he's not sort of the bat god you know from from morrison's jla where he's got super bat prep time and everything's planned and nothing can touch him and all that stuff it's not it's not batman in the prime of his career it it was always interesting (sighs) because frank miller always used to say you know oh I guess back in the day, he he would say, like, oh, I've written year one, so that's a young, amateurish Batman who's not in the prime of his career. And then Dark Knight is sort of an older, you know, bitter Batman towards the end of his career. And so I remember reading interviews when Batman Spawn was going to come out, and he's like, hey, this is the first time I get to write Batman in his prime, you know, at the top of his game, which I always thought, you know, that was like a good selling point. And then you actually sort of read Batman Spawn and kind of laughed, you know, or whatever, yeah. you know. <laughs> punk. But, you know. Punk. Punk. <laughs> he was just basically like, you're dumber than Clark. You know, he's talking <laughs> about Spawn, you know, and it's just like, okay, that was probably the only good line in the whole thing or whatever, but, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, well, I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, apples and oranges, like Dark Knight and like, uh, Year one. What about you, Mike? I mean, did you kind of like the whole bookend 
thing that uh, Miller did since he did write both? Yeah. I, 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 I never had a problem with the way, you know, he's portrayed in year one. And like, like Derek said, I mean, when Kevin Smith kind of went overboard with that, like, we already get the idea that he's an amateur from the actual story. So adding in stupid stuff like he pees himself or whatever is just like, you know, kind of just beating the horse to death. So I still, I still think he took a bat dump <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, but, of course that smell. <laughs> I've made guano. <laughs> it's like it's like that that scene. You know how he's like he's like you feasted on Gotham for the last time, and he like puts out the fire or whatever. And there should be like another line of dialogue where they're like, "What's that smell?" <laughs> like when, when the lights go out, you just hear Roman and all those guys. They're like. He's dead. He farted at my party. <laughs> <laughs> he was just driving back, and he's like looking all somber in the Batmobile. Yeah, this little caption above him: "I pooted." <laughs> Curse you, tell you, know, you know, you know, you know, Alfred had to clean that. <laughs> Dear Lord, Master Bruce, must you eat French before you go out and fight crime? <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, me myself, I'm always, I was always a big fan of. I mean, I did read Year One. And I, I enjoyed the story, but I was, I mean, I was kind of like Derek. I really kind of got taken away with The Dark Knight Returns because it really was a Batman I never really saw before. He was, you know, besides being old. And he, fat. And fat. <laughs> a little bit bitter. Um, it was a Batman who, like, he he didn't really have the code as much anymore, you know, as, like, there's like there's that one scene where he's in the bat tank, not the Batmobile, the bat fucking tank, and he's taking out a big group of they, they're calling the mutants because they're all fucked up looking gangs, and he's shooting machine guns into like the crowd and stuff. Hey and, hey uh, hey first, hey! Oh, hold on, hold on, rub, know, rubber I bullets. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but no, yeah, you never see that even back then. You know, like you know, Batman doesn't use guns even if they were possibly rubber bullets. But you know, that's how he changed and. I agree again with Derek that it pretty much kickstarted the whole grim and gritty thing. You know, it went from, you know, well, hell of Batman, a.k.a. Adam West, because that's how most people did remember him, like, turns into that, <laughs> you know. It's not too hard to go overboard with a lot of other characters. So I I still like it a lot. You know, it's much better than, what was it, The Dark Knight Strikes Back or Strikes Again or whatever. Yeah, that was a pretty pretty terrible sequel, I thought. Yeah. But, uh, there was a lot of anticipation for it, because I think The Dark Knight Returns was so so critically acclaimed and viewed as good. I mean, if you were, I, I guess it, for me, like, if you were there when it happened, I mean, that that's really the first time, you know, to me, in my mind, where Batman and Superman, you know, I'm used to the super friends. I'm used to, like, things like that. That's sort of where I hailed from and came from. So to see Batman and Superman fight each other, that was something like new and weird to me. You know, it's like that, you know, or, or, or seeing a, a case display that honors a dead Robin. I mean, that was before Jason Todd even died. You know, like that was all kind of like, you kind of looked at the stuff and you just went, whoa, what, what happened to this guy? Like what, you know, what's all the stuff that went down, you know? And so, that's you know was all brand new stuff at the time. I think now it's been rehashed so many times. You know, Batman and Superman have fought each other so many times in so many different comic stories and media and things like that. That you know sometimes you can get kind of burnt out or maybe you know the the concept is not as original or innovative as it was back then. It but back then to me it was a yeah. was a big deal. 
So. Yeah. What would you? I mean, since you are back this week with us, Brian. I mean, what did you, you? Did you? Did you get a chance to read both these? I know you probably have, so I don't even know. Why yeah. These were two that I didn't actually have to do homework on because I've had them for a while, and I've always really enjoyed both. Comparing it to like Man of Steel, I almost thought like Man of Steel was kind of anticlimactic. Does anyone else like share that opinion? Yeah, I think it's interesting because one of the things that Byrne mentioned in the interview, like he said if he had it to do over again, and this is where I think maybe like anticipating direct-to-videos might come in handy or whatever, but he, he always said in interviews if he had to do it over again, he was like, why did I start with Krypton? He's like, I could have waited, you know, like I could have saved that for the last story, you know, like that you find out all that stuff at the very end, you know, so that you didn't, you didn't have to show all that stuff. You could have started maybe with him as a football player or whatever he was doing, you know, go through all the different character interactions. And then when, you know, when he actually touches the spaceship, then you could actually reveal his, you know, origin, basically, you know, like where he came from and stuff like that, which I thought was kind of interesting. But, you know, and then the other thing, too, is it's kind of a little more old school comic book type feel where they're they're all kind of done in one stories over six issues you know they i i don't know that that would fit as well like i was thinking like if you made that a direct video you know it's like oh you might want to get rid of some of the stories or like condense them you know like you know the 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 luthor lois story seems to like fit but then the bizarro story is almost like a whole separate you know type of story so yeah maybe I, I don't know how well that would work. Like, the Bizarro happens all in issue five, I think, and all issue six is, like, basically Batman coming to grips with his, you know, origin or whatever. But, like, at the end of five, once he's done fighting Bizarro, I almost thought he was, like, going to go after Luther because, like, when all those Bizarro skin flakes or, or his dandruff or whatever is falling in that chick's eyes and heals her, like, Superman says something which is, like, kind of him wondering why Lex Luthor would have purposely like made that happen and i was like oh well there must be a big showdown you know in the next issue between luther and soups and then it doesn't happen and i'm like what i guess i guess because the ban of steel even though it's like an origin i guess it was a mini series that was like a setup for burns ongoing whereas like dark knight returns or say year one like miller didn't write batman after that right so it seems like it seems like burn was kind of like not trying to spill all his beans all at once where Miller is just like, fuck it. I'm just going to write like a really cool, you know, you know, basically, you know, four part story. And then that was it. It's not like, it's not like you kept following the career of young Batman after that. Whereas in, in, you know, the Superman stuff, it was all rebooted you yeah. know, where you started from scratch. So then it was like, Oh, then he was meeting Metallo and he met Luthor again and fought, you know, all these different guys, you know, and there were other showdowns with Luthor later, mm-hmm. but maybe not necessarily, you know, within the confines of that miniseries. So I see what you're saying, like, where you're like, oh, what what would be the climax of adapting Man of Steel? You know, like, would it be Bizarro or, you know, you'd have to invent something where he actually mm-hmm. has a showdown with Luthor or not. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of hoping for Luthor to get in that green armor and, like, go toe-to-toe, but now that you said he went on to write, you know, continuing... Superman stories afterwards, it does make sense that some of these seeds he was he was planning, he probably intended for, you know, later on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, See, I think the only thing I would change, like if you adapted Men of Steel into a direct-to-video thing, I would just remove the Batman section, you know, where he beats Batman, they team up for the first time. Like, right, like That's right. the only part I would delete. Like, I would, you know, I agree you would have to create a satisfying, you know, end to the story. 
But I think you could take away the Batman thing, and you know, you wouldn't even miss that. Yeah, yeah. No, I see what you're saying because you could kind of still have a full flow because the Batman thing is almost kind of incidental to, yeah. but you, you know, just Lois and, and Lana and, you know, you, in a weird way, I also thought like there, I don't know if you guys have read any of these, but there are also sort of ancillary miniseries like the world of Metropolis and the world of Krypton and the world of Smallville. And you could kind of maybe incorporate, which, you know, Byrne wrote all of those. You could kind of incorporate some aspects of those into the the Man of Steel, because there's references to them, like how, you know, instead of it being like Superboy and Lex who were childhood friends, you know, they made it like Perry White and, and Lex Luthor who were childhood friends and stuff mm. like that. And so, you know, different things like that you could kind of explore, probably. I also think it would be, you know, a better contrast, you know, like the Man of Steel version of Lana, where it's like, you know, Clark reveals his powers and it you know, it kind of destroys her world. You know, she gets depressed and everything. I think that's a good contrast to the current version of Lana maybe people know from Smallville. I think people would see the Mental Steel version of Lana and be like, wow, holy crap, she went a completely different direction than she did in Smallville. Yeah, yeah, kind of like how, how I guess, the the whole time in Smallville, it was more like, regardless of the situation, Clark was always pining after Lana. And in the Man of Steel... You know, just kind of like, you know, how how Lana was always after Superboy in the pre-crisis comics. You know, Lana was the one who was all into Clark, and then Clark just kind of drops the bombshell on her. Like, oh, dude, i got to go be Superman. <laughs> See you later. You know, yeah. you know and, and then after that, it was like, oh, I thought we were going to, like, get married and have babies and shit and live in Smallville, you know? <laughs> like, I guess not, you know? Yay, Smallville. As planned. <laughs> Doesn't seem to work out that way. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the another thing is that we actually haven't touched upon yet. We, we've talked a lot about Man of Steel so far and the Batman bookends, I guess you would say again. But this probably is why we haven't talked about it, because it's such an in, in-depth, I guess, topic in, of its own in a way. But what about the whole, you know, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow? You know, that is considered a seminal work by, you know, Mr. Moore. It's considered by many comic fans, like, one of the best Superman stories ever. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I think it's great. I mean, if they if they did adapt it, I'm scared. You know, it's like, I, I already said to you guys, like, and, and to the podcast listeners, like, I was kind of disappointed with year one. So, like, I could see myself easily being disappointed with uh, a less than perfect adaptation. You know, kind of like, it's like that feeling of if you're not going to do something right, then don't do it at all type attitude i guess so i kind of i guess that's kind of like my attitude on it it's like if they're gonna do it like i hope they do it right but you know it it, it, i can just see it like where it's like oh we got to make it meet 70 minutes and so let's cut out the whole supergirl's dead thing (laughs) we don't need the legion of superheroes and oh the toy man the prankster they're lame let's get rid of them i was thinking like they'd cut like jimmy and lana getting their powers back and you know fighting like brainiac and the rest yeah you know i could just see them cutting out all kinds of stuff so i'd just rather not see that at all you know i'd rather them it it seems like the direct videos to me i mean this is just my opinion but given that i really like batman under the red hood like it seems like you could take a shit comic like that and make a really really good movie out of it you know and and it doesn't necessarily have to be a seminal comic book it doesn't have to be all-star superman to make it a direct-to-video you could take something that you know is not the greatest comic and tweak it up a little bit 
So, you know, even in the, like, the Superman-Batman public enemies, it's not like I'm going to cry because Sorrel and Nightwing aren't in the movie, you know? Yeah. I don't think that destroys <laughs> Jeff Loeb's writing, you know? <laughs> Whereas I think if you take out, like, Supergirl, you know, coming to visit Superman when she's already dead, and then he cries... You know, it's like all those things are sort of connected, you know, like it, it just seems like, you know, that it's like, you know, oh, yeah, let me just, uh, you know, rip out the hair of the Mona Lisa and, and the Mona Lisa will now be bald. But it's still awesome. And it's <laughs> kind of like, you know. Yeah. So you're basically saying, like, if it's a story that, you know, like if they like, in your opinion, you don't, you're not really a huge fan of Hush. If they did Hush and they tweaked it and stuff and it turned out to be a really good, you know, DTV. You know, you'd be like, oh, okay, well, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's a fair assessment, yeah, because, cause I, I, you know, like I said, uh, if, if they announced they were doing Hush, it's not like I'd be like, woo, greatest Batman story ever. Like, <laughs> I, I don't really care, you know. Like, I wouldn't be, like, excited about the announcement, but given that, that you know, I, in, the, in the history, I think, I think the successful ones, like, or at least uh, I hesitate to say successful because maybe they all didn't make money, but the ones that I enjoyed the most – were Batman Under the Red Hood, the Wonder Woman one, and the Green Lantern one. And the reason why I like the Wonder Woman and Green Lantern ones were not so much that they picked any one story and adapted it, but that they kind of amalgamated all the best elements of those characters, and they made a single, you know, 70-minute, pretty full movie. Uh, the Green Lantern thing, you know, they had to kind of go through his origin pretty wham-bam, thank you, ma'am. But once they got into the training day stuff, it was really good, I thought. And, you know, I think uh, if, if you made some, some movies like that, you know, where it was kind of a, a amalgamation of sort of the, you know, the greatest hits, you know, like that that's kind of why in some ways I really dug that Brave and the Bold episode with Superman where they just kind of threw in all those nods to the wacky Silver Age stuff and sort of King Superman and, you know, Turtle Jimmy Olsen boy and <laughs> yeah. all that kind of stuff. You know, it's like, oh, here's here's a smorgasbord of samplers of of what was great about the wacky Silver Age of Superman, you know? like So it's like it wasn't just one thing that they adapted. They kind of just took the best that they, they could throw into 22 minutes. And, you know, I think that works well as well. And, you know, so whether it's just, you know, taking, you know, a semi-mediocre story that doesn't have a lot of high expectations, you know, something that, you know, I, I don't want to be too judgmental and say stories are mediocre all the time, but, like, let's just say if Alan Moore's work is seminal, maybe you take a not-so-seminal work and, 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 you know, really brush it up and tighten the script up so that it's a really great direct-to-video piece. Yeah. Speaking with something like that, Derek, you know, like the recent Superman stories, you know, like Last In on New Krypton, like, you know, I know we kind of agreed those aren't some of the best comics, but could you see like those kind of not so good comics being adapted into like a series of direct to video movies? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not, yeah, that, that to me, like, that's why you could actually like probably fix some things that, that maybe are not the greatest bits of those stories i mean like i like i mentioned this to thum on his podcast but i hate the whole general lane is like evil and general ross type guy or whatever yeah. so <laughs> I, I totally wouldn't want to see that anymore i'm kind of sick to death of that but like you know a anything that you like to me like it's not like panic in the sky would work as a direct adaptation but Panic in the Sky is a pretty cool Superman story. It's like Superman's the general. He gets a bunch of heroes. They fight Brainiac on Warworld. 
like cool shit happens. Like, you know, you could tweak the matrix thing. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be literal, like, oh, it's matrix and she's a blob of protoplasm and it's confusing. You know, you could just make it Supergirl or you could do whatever you want with it. But, you know, something like that could be cool, you know, or, you know, things like that. Or even, you know, Brian's talking about he likes Luthor in the war suit, you know, like you could do stuff where it's like, you know, do the war suit, but where did it come from? Did Lex build it? Do you want to do the, you know, Lexor planet origin where, you know, he built it on Lexor and the Red Sun, you know, is on the Lexor planet and that Superman is powerless there and they have a fist fight and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you could do tons of different things, so. Yeah, I think that's the problem with, like, adapting something that's really well-respected and, you know, really acclaimed. I mean, it's just like a, it's like a really popular bestseller novel when you like transfer it to animated or theatrical form you're usually going to miss something because you have to you have to like squeeze this into like you know this time format and it's just kind of hard to really maintain the flavor of what the work actually was yeah and not only like the time format but i think the like uh, i guess a movie i think of all the time when when comic adaptations are brought up is dune and you know how Dune gets a bunch of flack for, you know, the, the, which I always used to like, but I, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess maybe I'm the exception to the rule because it seems like filmmakers hate the voiceover, like, and not like the voiceover of like the Tobey Maguire, like, back in the day, I was doing my Wonder Years thing and this is what happened. <laughs> and then they go into the movie, like, nobody cares about that as a bookend for a film when it's one character, but they seem to hate the whole, like, like, you know, I'm talking to you right now, and then it's like, then we go into Justin's mind, and Justin's like, Derek's talking too long. This podcast is going to take forever. And that's like <laughs> what Justin's thinking, you know, in his head in Dune, right? But people, like, hated that for some reason. But, like, I, I don't know why. Like, I always thought, like, it was cool that they could even attempt to try to replicate in a visual medium what Frank Herbert wrote on the printed page like how he got you into characters heads and and you know just an attempt to try and do that and i think even like with batman year one like you could see they shot that was some of the stuff that got cut out immediately it's like you you didn't get a lot of the internal monologues it's like every once in a while they'd say some stuff but like there were lots of details i think in the direct to video where you miss things about you know say sarah essen or like little details in the art and you know her cigarette you know has her lipstick on it and it tastes good you know it's mm. like that's not in there yeah. you know it's like it's like i i mean this is just my quick critique of the direct to video but i thought it was Frank Miller is not politically correct, you know, at least in the right. <laughs> no. And it's like and it seemed like, you know, if anybody's read it, it's it's blatantly obvious, you know, that that's the case, right? And and I have no problems with that. Like I enjoy the work as I take it as it is, but but I thought it was funny that it seemed like I don't know, I could just see them all in a boardroom patting themselves on the back going, "Ha ha, we eliminated the misogyny from year 1. Aren't we such awesome people?" You know, this is for all the girls who got got mad at Starfire. Like, hope you're happy. You know, and it's just like, what? So now instead of Catwoman getting, like, punched in one hit, like she does in Batman Returns, now it's like this DBZ anime thing where they both punch each other and both, like, are, like, equals. And I was kind of, like, watching that scene going, when the fuck did Catwoman turn into Lady Shiva? And see, that's my that's my defense. I'm not saying that a woman can't kick Batman's ass. I'm telling you, Lady Shiva can kick Batman's ass. <laughs> but I'm just saying, as a comic book fan, 
Catwoman is not Batman's equal and never has been. And that's not a, a sexist thing, it's just a character thing. If you showed me Lady Shiva beating the shit out of Batman the way, you know, Catwoman did in that year one thing, I'd be all for it. But anyway, I, I, I thought there were weird kind of, you know, people put their own spin on certain things in that. And, and a lot of that was, like, they, they added the... You know how, like, Bruce Wayne's sitting there acting the role of the pig with Jim Gordon, and and she's sitting there, you know, the the foreign chick, and she's supposed to be, you know, all over him, and he's like, oh, I don't know, what, you know, this girl doesn't speak English, <laughs> and it's supposed to be like this joke. I, I love how at the end they tack on an extra scene. It reminded me of the movie... 300 where they had to add a bunch of scenes with a woman because they knew they'd lose the female audience in the middle of, you know, Frank Miller's epic about Spartan warriors, you know, it's like, oh, let's cut back to the Senate where there's some women fighting a democratic debate. That'll keep the women interested. <laughs> How dare you talk you know? about and men in like, a male-dominated culture? It's like, <laughs> it's like the same thing in the direct-to-video where it's like, oh, here's the scene where you find out, oh, the girl really does speak English, and she was just acting. And then he paid her five grand to do it. So it's okay. Like, wait. So wait, it's okay that she got objectified because she's getting paid for it? Oh, okay. Like, I don't I know. Mean, you, I mean, you've think seen Sin City, right? Yes. Okay. Like, it's, what, it's, that's it's, the thing that I, I like about that movie is a lot of women I know, like, that when I watched that movie, like, did not care for it. But that that's something I've always said to you guys is I, I was like, well, that's good because it's not apologizing for what it is. It's not like exactly. the women are going to run out and buy Frank Miller's graphic novels now because they it, it's a fair representation of what it actually is. Whereas this to me seemed like there were all these tweaks that tried to unfairly distort the the I guess the the original work. Yeah, like why why mess with something when it's obviously a good story? You know, Sin City was a good story. It was entertaining, and the fact that they didn't fuck with it made it enjoyable. Yeah, and then uh, I'll just throw out like for some positives. I thought Flash and, and Jim Gordon's voice actors were really really great. But what kind of killed me, which is kind of sad, was the the guy they got to do Batman was just not doing it for me. Kind of Luke ben, Perry, ben McKenzie. Yeah. Yeah, Mackenzie was just, I, I don't know what it was. It was like it was like they were trying to have him go young, but then do like some kind of, you know, semi-Christian bail thing at the same time. And it just seemed like, like, you know how like you have those old pulp noir film type movies where the guy's like, so she walked into the room and the room went black <laughs> and I felt like a chill was coming over my back and I felt the hair stand up on my spine. And, you know, it's like it's this kind of, you know, th that's how Frank Miller kind of writes. And and there's a certain style of acting you have to have to to sell all those lines. And I, yeah. I just think like yeah. where, it's, you know, the, the characters like 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 when Jim Gordon gave his monologues. I believed what he was saying, like that it was real. But but when Mackenzie delivered the lines, it just felt like he was reading off the page. You know, like it was <laughs> he, he definitely like, he definitely has like that sub zero sleepiness sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, 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 I saw her; she was beautiful and a hot dame to boot. I knew well, she would be trouble. Yeah, I mean that's that's what it felt like when I listened to him. Whereas you know you could say I saw her; she was beautiful. And a hot dame to boot, you know, like just anything. But you know, it's just like you know, here it just sounds like like what you're saying. The, you're like, the line I'm thinking of is 
when he goes uh, what he goes like eighteen years and the ache is still fresh like a raw yeah you're like angry yeah, you sound nerve. <laughs> yeah you you sound like you're fucking achy that you're not gonna go get your cigarette break <laughs> after the video recording their voice recordings done you know like I don't know yeah, it was, like, it was yeah. like a like the way I like the way Mike said it though because it was like. 18 years, and the egg is still fresh. <laughs> yeah. I love fresh poultry. But but I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, influence anybody's opinion, because I know, I know some of you guys already mentioned that you enjoyed watching it, so, I mean, feel free to throw in your, your two cents about it, how you thought it compared to the original material, you know, and, and maybe, you know, if you, if you, if there's anything you want to see in regards to, you know, future directed videos, whether it be like Superman or Batman or whatever. I was, like, I was gonna, I was just gonna say that, like, in, in, in Mackenzie's defense, like, I definitely get what you're saying, but like, Frank, saying some of that stuff that Frank Miller writes is hard, you know, it's just like. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's like, it's like the ha- uh, Harrison Ford line to, to George Lucas, you know, he's like, you can write this shit, George, but you sure as shit can't say it yeah. you know but I, I think that's a sign of a good actor too it's like dude we always used to call that stuff like lines that were really hard to say like dog food because it was like doing a dog food commercial with a straight face you know <laughs> in the, when you want fluffy to eat you know purina chow go, <laughs> you know yeah with meaty chunks you know it's like it's like so we always used to call that kind of stuff dog food and it's like you know, that that's what's brilliant about guys like Harrison Ford, you know? It's like, they can just sell that shit. I want to eat that know? dog food. <laughs> yeah, you know? <laughs> now, now, but, I, yeah, I, I kind of want him to be like the, the guy who does All-Star Batman and Robin now. Just to like, have him be like, what are you? Are you dense or retarded? I'm the goddamn Batman, dude. <laughs> what are you, dense? Are you retarded? I'm the goddamn Batman. Twelve years old. Eighteen years, and I'm still the goddamn Batman. <laughs> I thought it was well animated, though. I did like the animation. Yeah, some of the good. some of the clips, like when you when you saw like Catwoman for the first time put on her mask, like that kind of stuff was cool. Yeah, they, they, the the DCBs have gotten a lot better. I mean, I can look at like, for example, what you said the, under the Red Hood. Again, I agree with you. One of my favorites, and the Wonder Woman, or even like I said, this one. And you could really see the quality that has jumped up since, like, the days of, like, Superman Doomsday, you know? Yeah, yeah. What I was going to say is, like, if you if you take the year one movie on its own, like, if you don't think of the comic, I, I think it holds up pretty well as a movie. But if you, you know, like us, if you've read the comic and you compare the two, you kind of see its flaws. So it's, you know, I, I could kind of go both ways with it. I'm like, on one hand, I'm like, okay, I... I I thought it was pretty good. You know, it's well animated. It entertained me, so I kind of like it. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, it's like Derek said, it's kind of washing away some of those, you know, un-PC Frank Millerisms. So it's kind of like, well, you take it the good with the bad, I guess. Uh, one, one thing they added that kind of made me laugh, like, unintentionally, was when Gordon goes into the guy who's holding those kids hostage and he, like, takes them out. And then, like, they added in a scene after where Gordon, like, goes up to the kids and goes, does anyone want any gum? (laughs) Yeah. That just just reminded me of an episode of Red Dwarf where, like, Crichton goes to Lister. Lister's like, what have I done, Crichton? And Crichton's like, well, you've simply brought the entire human race to the brink of extinction, sir. Gum? (laughs) 
It reminds me, I'm like, that's a nod to, like, David Letterman, because I remember at one point, like, I watched David Letterman all the time, and, like, one of his ongoing random jokes that made no sense was he just kept turning to people and going, you got any gum? Hey, you got any gum? And that was, like, the punchline, even though it didn't make any sense. So I'd be talking to you guys and being like, hey, yeah, I read The Man of Steel, and he teams up with Batman, and, you know, John Byrne, like, totally tried to talk to Frank Miller to see how his Batman was going to be written. Hey guys, want to go? <laughs> like that was the joke. Like, and, and what was funny was like, kind of like what Mike said. It's like, it's like, it just seems like it sticks out or it's like, Hey, you got any gum? It's blue cupcakes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got a question for you guys. I know Derek was kind of going on about how, you know, you have like a seminal work or something like that. And it's kind of hard to deliver the same impact. But at the same time, we are, you know, we are fanboys at heart. We do like our, you know, do like our cartoons and stuff. Even if there is a possibility that it might turn out less than stellar. I mean, not bad. Just like, you know, you watch it and you're kind of like, meh, you know, it's it's okay. Is there still, like, you know, maybe one of those stories out there that they haven't done that's, like, you know, considered, like, a classic that you would still like to see animated? Well, you know what I think would be a good follow-up to year one? I think Batman Prey would be a really good follow-up. Like, I really like that story. Mm. And that's, you know, that's, you know, for those of you who don't know, that's where, you know, Batman kind of, he fights Hugo Strange. Hugo Strange is, like, playing these mind games with him, trying to take him down. And, you know, it, it's it's still the early days, so, you know, the police aren't, you know, fully behind Batman. He still has problems with them. But I think if you adapted that, maybe tweak it just a little bit, um... I think it would make a really good follow-up. It's interesting because I don't, I don't know how much this is still the case, but I remember, you know, of the limited stuff I was reading about the Dark Knight Rises, you know, they, they were kind of hinting at Prey being, you know, uh, kind of like how they said how the, you know, certain stories inspired Nolan to do, like, the first and second movies that he did, mm-hmm. you know? Like, they were saying how Prey was one of the stories he was looking at, you know? And I was, like, sitting there going, oh, yeah, I could kind of see... I, I forget what the guy's name is, like, the Night Scourge or whatever, but, like, I could see that guy being a semi-Bane-ish character, you know, like, in the in the new movie, like, if they semi-adapted things. You know, and Catwoman is also in that story, so... You know, and Batman's still sort of hounded by the police, so it all kind of fit to me. I'm like, oh, well, yeah, he's going to be hounded by the police, you know, at the end of Dark Knight Returns and going into Dark Knight Rises, so that fits, and Catwoman's there, and it fits, and, you know, the whole, you know, like, Hugo Strange is, you know, going on all the talk shows, you know, doing the circuit kind of, you know, stirring up shit about Batman, and, you know, there's all kinds of opinions on his vigilanteism, you know, oh, it's good, it's bad, like, the cops should handle it, you know, uh, you, you know, people taking law into their own hands and things like that, so, and yeah. You, I mean, you need to, like, forget that, like, since the movies are so good and they've been coming out, like, in a very kind of staggered release, you know. Like, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to remember sometimes that, like, these three films no one is doing is still Batman's early years, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, he did really just meet the Joker for the first time in the last movie. <laughs> as far as, like, Superman goes, like, I, I hope they do a adaptation of that elite story or you know whatever but you know what's so funny about truth justice in the american way like i think that would be really good and i think you know it's kind of like if you go up to some random person on the street who's someone who's not a comics fan and you ask them like you know what's your two favorite superman stories or like you know or if you just ask them what do you know about superman they're going to tell you his origin and they're going to tell you his death 
because those are like the two most famous Superman stories. That's what people know, and it seems like you know that's kind of like what they've been adapting. So I'd like to see something other than his origin get made into a movie because even if you do adapt, I man, it's still it, it's still kind of his origin. And you'll just, just yeah, no, I mean, I, I guess I guess Man of Steel in itself it goes back to the does it hold up thing, and since they've tried to do different versions of his origin, whether it's you know Superman's secret origin or birthright or Earth One or any of those things, they've done so much of that. You know, maybe by now it's kind of you know uh, an irrelevant story. You know, to try and adapt. You know, maybe if they were going to adapt his origin again. You know, they try to adapt Earth One, or they try to adapt, you know, Earthriders Origin, or one of those, or something like that. You know, I I I like the idea of the Elite thing only because it's a single issue of a comic, and and I know people might go, oh, well, that's not enough story, but I'm like, they only have seventy minutes usually to do these things. I think you know one or two issue stories max, because it's like it seems like every time they do these six issue, you know, made for the trade arcs, it's like they end up cutting out like you know. 50% of the story, you know, and sometimes with Jeff Loeb, like that stuff is superfluous. Like I said, I don't, you know, it's not like I'm crying in my sleep that uh, Natasha Irons and Sorrell and, you know, Nightwing and Tim Drake weren't in the, that, you know, public enemies thing. But, you know, there, there's other stories where, you, you know, you just think, hey, can we just do like, you know, an issue or two of some solid Batman stuff? You know, whether, whether it's like, you know, something like, I'm like, oh, let's do the Untold Legend of Batman. Like, there's three solid issues of a Batman story, you know, or, or whatever it is, you know, things like that where you can just do a, you know, a quick thing as opposed to like, I'm going to do a direct video of Nightfall. And you're like, <laughs> that's like 18 fucking issues. Like it's kind of like when they said the death of Superman, you're just kind of like, are you yeah. crazy? Like, why don't you do a couple movies or or you know pace it out that, or something? That's, like, I don't know. that's a prime example of like how not to adapt a story into you know a movie because they they just cut out so much. They did their own thing and it turned out to be it turned out to be pretty bad. Yeah, Nightfall yeah. would have Bruce Wayne getting his bat broken in like the first five minutes. It's like, Bane, my mortal enemy, Bruce, I hate you. How do you know my name? I am Bane, crack. You know? <laughs> I, I think that Elite story would be, you know, not only good to adapt, but like a good Superman story to put on display because it gets, I think it gives you like the essence of what Superman is, you know, because he's fighting all these characters who, you know, like, they don't care. They just do whatever they want. They don't care, care about morality. If they see a bad guy, they're going to kill him. They don't care about you know truth or justice or the American way. They just they're out to have their kicks and you know property damage, whatever you know. And Superman is the complete opposite. So he's Superman is trying to you know keep his own you know morals and standards as opposed to theirs. So I think it would be you know something good to like put out there for people to be like, oh, so this is this is Superman, this is what he's all about, you know, we've got more to him than just what the origin is. Yeah. I, I guess my two, I have two that I was thinking about, and I'll throw it to either Mike or Brian, because I, I, I don't want to give away any of mine as far as the storyline, because they're two really, I like the comics, and I want people to read them, so if you're wondering why I picked them, read them. <laughs> I, I would pick, like, Superman for all seasons. Which I thought was a pretty good comic. It was very, it was very kind of lighthearted, but still not too lighthearted. And also, it would be very hard to do even DTV because it does have some rather violent parts into it. And I don't know how far DC is willing to go. But if they were actually able to do it to where they didn't, you know, kind of butcher some of the scenes, I would totally love the Killing Joke because it's a one issue. You know, they could probably do that in a DTV. 
Yeah, those are both. I mean, those are both good examples of of stories that I think could work. Like, I don't know, I don't know how big a fan I am of of A Man for All Seasons, but again, Loeb's work has been adapted to direct to video before, and I think you know, four issues is is you're better off than than six or eighteen or that kind of stuff. You know, it is a it is a fairly complete storyline and something that you could you know even try to. The thing I'm always interested in too is seeing if they could try to capture the style of the artist as well. You know, and like. Things like that where I know, like, look at how detailed Brian Boland is. But, you know, you just get things in your head, like, how cool would it be to see something where they, you know, they try to do Brian Boland's kind of style or they try to do Tim Sale's, you know, Superman or whatever. You know, like, I think all that stuff would be very interesting to see on the screen, even just besides you know, what, whatever my, regardless of my opinion of the actual story. Yeah, so. for years, even now, if you ask me, like, you know, what does the Joker look like? What is the definitive Joker? Fuck Jim Lee, no offense, he's a great artist. You know, even Screw Apero, great artist too, he worked on Batman Forever. But Brian Boland's Joker is like, my Joker. That's that's what I see when I think of the Joker, you know? I don't know, that's just me. No, there's that, there, there's, 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 that's a great Joker. There's, there's no, no shame in that. Love that guy. I'm a great artist. What about you, Brian? I know we've kind of been prattling on like a bunch of ninnies. Is there uh, any kind of comic story that you would love to see animated? I have to second Justin's pick of Elite as a good one to see animated. I did enjoy the story, and as I was reading it, being that it's only one issue, it is very fast-paced, I thought, and I had to really pay attention as I read to to like absorb everything that was going on because it's happening so fast. And I think to see that in animated form, instead of them having to cut out parts of the story or skim over stuff, you could actually see them pad some of the story. So I think it would be a really interesting one to see. For a Batman, I think this might be controversial because I don't think anyone else here likes the story. But I would pick Hush because, I don't know, I really enjoy that. And it might be a lot due to Jim Lee's art, but I don't know. That's just a Batman story that I can read over and over and always enjoy when I read it. But see, I think I think even though I don't care for the story that much, I, I still think I would be enticed by seeing, like I said, possibly an animated version of, you know, think of like I would like to see Jim Lee's art in motion. Oh, I would yeah. be I would be curious to to see if somebody could try and pull something like that <laughs> off. But, but Derek, what about Wildcats, the animated series? Wildcats, Wildcats. <laughs> <laughs> I think all the. Uh... You know, hush identity red herrings they could throw would kind of be cool seeing an animated form. <laughs> They're heroes, not zeros. <laughs> I guess, I guess with hush, like there are plenty of characters that people are already familiar with. So, and they did release the 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 Jason Todd directed video. So it's not like yeah. it would throw people for a loop if if you saw Jason Todd kind of haunting Batman because more people hopefully know who the character is by now. So. And actually with a little bit of, like, hopefully not too much tweaking, because if Brian wants to see that story, I wouldn't want him to mess with it too much so he could actually, you know, enjoy the basic story. They could even Maybe. make it kind of a sequel, you know? Like, you know, it, it, it of course, is not Jason Todd. You know, it's, it's Clayface, but, like, they could even, you know... Oops, spoilers, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we're spoiling Hush. I was about to, like, reveal, like, the who done it because I was going to say, oh, we better make a direct-to-video with... Uh, <laughs> who actually uh, helps out Hush in the whole thing. 
So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my bad, folks. And the, the damn story's five years old. I'm yeah, it's sure. five years old. If you if you don't know it by now, you should. Yeah. yeah. Should at least be somewhat aware of it, but yeah, I mean they could kind of do kind of like a tie-in of it, like just have like I don't know, Jason Todd at some point call Batman or something on his bat phone and be like, "Dude, it's not me. Fucking quit calling." You know, <laughs> I'm not stalking you. <laughs> but uh, they get they get Jensen Ankles just to do the, the one line. Yeah. It's like it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. You didn't kill people for me. But no, no, yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter if, like, one of us doesn't like the story. I mean, if you liked Hush and you're excited and maybe a prospect of seeing it, hell yeah, man. I mean, I I would totally buy it. I'm like Derek, you know. I don't hate Hush. I love the artwork, and it wasn't a bad story. I mean, you know, some of the swerves, like you were talking about, Brian, where, you know, they throw, like, a lot of red herrings. It's like, is it really Jason Todd? Is he back from the dead? Because if you haven't read Hush... The reason it was such a big deal is this is before, like, Superboy punched a wall and, like, you know, why is Jason Todd back? You know, this is before, like, legions of dead people started coming back. So, But is there any other comics you would like to throw in there, uh, Mr. B? No. I, I will no. throw out that I did not like the killing joke, just to poop on your choice. A little funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I get his back and you see what I get. Wait, wait, <laughs> Tony, Tony do, the, do the God voice in response to Brian's declaration of your, of your preference. <laughs> <laughs> oh man and I know Mike I know you gotta have two favorites that you like to see animated I wouldn't mind seeing it. it it would probably never happen and it might be too complicated but I wouldn't mind seeing like Red Sun animated but like it would probably never happen cause like you know they'd have to be like Superman's a Russian you know and people would be like why is Superman a Russian and they would be They'd be like, because it's an imaginary story. And then they'd be like, I don't know. Do you think think people would have a hard time dealing with, like, Elseworlds direct-to-videos? Because, I mean, they are doing Dark Knight Returns, and Dark Knight Returns technically, I know it was before the Elseworlds brand, but that's going to be, that's going to have, you know, Um, have some explaining to do when when it's, like, 100 years old. I'd say yes with Red Sun just because, like... I, 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 this is gonna sound negative, I guess, but like, if they hear like, it, it's gonna seem like like Superman's a bad guy, basically. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, I like it's Batman still like you know himself, basically in Dark Knight Returns. But in, well, what if they uh, did? The what if they did something like like Superman's secret identity? Like, because that's I think is a good Superman story, but it's also an Elseworlds where you have to be like explaining to people that you know? I suppose. Yeah, I mean, like. As long as you've got, like, a likable protagonist, I guess. But, like, in Red Sun, like, Superman, he's like a... Yeah, I guess he's a dick, yeah, sometimes in in Red Sun. But it's more... He's not really a dick, but he does, like, you know, questionable things. So it's like... I I don't know. Well, the whole thing is it's it's kind of a morality play because it's showing what would happen if he grew up in a different culture. Like, you know, if... You know, he was allowed to be influenced by it and everything. So, I mean, well, you know, as long as as long as they don't adapt Superman True Brit, I think we're good. <laughs> or the end, or the what was it? The last Superman story, whatever the fuck it is called, the one where he's got chain guns for arms. Oh, oh, Commandy at Earth's End or yeah. Superman at World's End or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that that was uh, Santa Claus Superman with chain guns. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, is there a Batman story you'd like to see or? 
No, they really, like, I haven't read a lot of Batman stuff. I mean, I've only read the obvious stuff, you know, like Year One, Returns, Hush, like, I don't know, anything major, like some of Nightfall. So, I mean, yeah, I I, I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing some kind of, like, No Man's Land, sort of, like, not like uh, obviously you couldn't do the whole thing because, like, Nightfall, it would be, like, way too long. But, you know, some kind of condensing of, like, I, I know I, I linked you guys to it, but there, like, that there was, like, a concept for the next Batman show where it was going to be, like, after No Man's Land and Batman had to, like, police the ruins of Gotham. So I wouldn't mind seeing, like, I think that's an intriguing, like, setup. But, you know, yeah. they're not going with that. But I wouldn't mind seeing some kind of condensing of that. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Cassandra Kane, so I, I'd be into anything with her involved in it, whether it was, you know, just her on her own or even, you know, I, I saw that she was in the, the spread with Nightwing and, and Tim Drake and all the other guys in the, the whole No Man's Land pitch. Yeah, so I, yeah. would, I would be kind of, you know, anti-story. Well, I will say that I would love anything that would see like little asshole Damian Wayne animated. So you yeah, know, like, Damian's yeah. pretty fucking awesome. Like, like yeah, he, he he was animated in Brave and the Bold, but it wasn't really him. It was just you know, it was it was a nice kid. It was nice Damian. You know, I want to see little <laughs> asshole Damian animated. I was thinking like maybe like you know, Son of the Demon might be interesting. That would at least work within the, I think, the time frame. You know, it's a nice, what, it's probably like a 80, 120-page graphic novel, and it would set up, like, sequels. Like, you could do you could do Batman and Son right after you did Son of the Demon, you know, and be like, oh, four years later, you know, or whatever, however old Damien's supposed to be, yeah. you know. Yeah, just like, in you know, a random idea. I will throw this out there real quick before we maybe move on to a different part of the uh, Superman-Batman legacy. Just because it doesn't have anything to do with Superman or Batman. I still want to see the Judas contract. Okay, I'm, I'm done. No, 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 no. I, I think this is great to talk about. I mean, I, you know, it doesn't have to be limited to, to Batman or Superman. I mean, if people enjoy other stuff, you know, it's like, it's like sometimes, like, there are things that I would like to see, but I'm sure would never get adapted in a million years, you know? So it's like, you know, it's... That, yeah. That's the problem with the Judas contract is, like... They kind of did it in Teen Titans, but obviously Teen Titans was skewed younger. I mean, it was obviously more of a, you know, kids show. So well, they, did, they even did they even did that first new Teen Titans arc with you know when they had all the the gray opposites you know of the Titans. I don't know if you guys remember that episode. You know where they have the red eyes and they're yeah. all oh, evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's an arc in the new Teen Titans that was really cool too. So I mean you know it's like yeah they. They had their, you know, cool, you know, Glenn Murakami, you know, version of that. But, you know, sometimes it's nice to see. To me, like I said, I, I'm always giddy about the concept of Perez-style art animated. Like, that'd be oh, yeah. kind of Because cool. I always like, like, even in the, the old superpowers, Galactic Guardians, it's like Jose Luis Garcia Lopez's character models were used to animate the superpowers team. And that, at the time, you know... Jose Luis Garcia Lopez was like the Jim Lee of DC, like all the shit that went on the underwear, all the shit that went on the superpowers, you know, lunch boxes and, and, and cardboard toy boxes and stuff. That was his art, you know? And like these days now it's all Jim Lee, of course, you know, Jim Lee's stuff goes on the tennis shoes and the t-shirts and the, you know, I know they don't have underoos anymore, but you know what I mean, right? It's like all that shit, the lunch pails, the thermoses, whatever it goes on. You know, Jim Lee's work is on that. So it's like, I, I think it would be cool if they could try and, you know, follow that model. I mean, if they were going to do 
whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, I, I think it would be like cool to try and think outside the box. Whereas it, if you can't capture the same nostalgia that a comic has for say, uh, you know, a 50 year old character at the time, like Superman was or whatever, you know, wouldn't it be cool if like Danny Dark was the one who did the voice or, you know, they tried to animate it sort of like the Super Friends, you know, because it's like you could kind of bring back retro vibes of stuff that you used to know, you know. I guess maybe now that's way too old, you know. I guess now retro would be Bruce Tim animation or something. Yeah. Well, what but do you think whatever, about- you know, like it's just like, you know, whatever it is, you could bring back certain you know, things like subtly that might evoke a certain sense of nostalgia the same way, you know, many years of a comic series would, you know. But, yeah, even though they're not as old, I mean, they're, they're, they've been made in the last 10 years. Did you appreciate, like, when they tried to do it with, like, Public Enemies with McGinnis and, like, the, the Turner? Yes, that, that's the thing. Like, like I said, I'm, ne- I, I'm not a huge fan of, of Loeb's writing, especially on Superman Batman, which I thought was, like, an atrocious comic series. But I really <laughs> do like... I really do like Ed McGuinness's art. I think it's like I know some people have a problem with it. They think it's too too big, too anime. The guys look like they're all on steroids, or you know whatever the people's problem with it is. But I've always enjoyed his artwork. So to, to have them try to just attempt to do that style, I thought you know I mean I understand it's animation and you can't get as detailed as you would in a comic book. But I thought they they did they took a stab at it and they did a pretty good job at at replicating his style in an animated form. And, you know, this is not disparaging the whole, you know, Timverse thing or whatever, you know, but it's like, I w- you know, it's the same thing as hearing Kevin Conroy do Batman's voice. It's not, you know, Kevin Conroy's great, but it's nice to hear somebody else do it. And in some cases, like with McKenzie, it's an utter failure, but I'm not going to poo-poo, you know, somebody else who does Batman's voice. It's like Captain Pike did a good fucking job doing Batman's voice. I think there's opportunity to vary things up and change things up. And, you know, there's, you can get something that's, you know, that's new and interesting too. So I would, I would definitely be into, you know, you know, the way they did the Ed McGinnis art, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, the same way they did like the Max MTV cartoon and everything looked like Sam Keith's style. I'm just kind of into that whole aspect of adaption, you know, rather yeah. than try and, you know, make the story tweak to your, you know, Glenn Murakami or your Bruce Tim style, you know, I'm I'm kind of interested in seeing how people can kind of, you know, replicate the style of the source material. Animate what they're given more or less, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want a Rob Liefeld Hawking Dove animated series. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that's, a lot of, that's a lot of crates for... Or, uh, TMS to animate in the background, dude. You, you, you will believe a torso can move that way. <laughs> you will never see a foot. <laughs> there, there's always going to be smoke animated up from, from the foot. <laughs> Every fight takes place in a warehouse. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree too. I mean, I, I, I mean, I will admit, I actually like Public Enemies. It's goofy, it's silly, and all that, but. It was a fun story. I mean, I don't know. I, I thought it was not nearly as good. I'm, I know you're not a fan of the Superman Batman comics, but that story arc it's from, I actually did enjoy that. I thought it was a pretty good story arc. Uh, there's some stuff that Loeb's done that I'm like, I just get lost. I'm like, fucking A, man. You've got like 400 characters right now, and I don't know what the hell they're doing. But, yeah, I like that one. So, yeah, I mean, I, I 
do enjoy when they take a really cool art style. And they don't think they've really, yeah, you're right. They've never really, no one's really had the balls to step up and go, I could draw like Jim Lee in a friggin' cartoon. Yeah, let's do this shit, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd just be interested to see people take a stab at it. And, you know, as far as public enemies goes, I think it's at least the direct to video is a, it's a testament to, to Tim Daly and Kevin Conroy because I think they play off each other really well. And, you know, they, they made, they, they sold a lot of the lobe dialogue and everything that was in it, you know, and made it entertaining and stuff, you know. And they did do some good streamlining of stuff. You know, they set up the, the President Luther thing fairly seamlessly so you weren't too lost on what was going on. You know, and they had a couple ancillary characters that maybe not everybody would know. But, you know, like I said, you didn't need to know about every single character that was in that original arc. So yeah, I think it worked. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I think that's probably one of the more brilliant things that the DTVs have been able to accomplish is they actually have tried to do like pretty original stories and also trying to do like, you know, stories that a lot of fans like. Cause I, I mean, I do like Marvel. I don't have any, I don't have like, you know, this whole DC versus Marvel thing. I don't like, you know, hate one company and love the other, but like in Marvel's case, their TV shows are great. I, I really do enjoy most of their like ongoing animated series, but their DTVs have been pretty weak. I don't know if that's just me, but no, I, I mean, for me, I, I, just off the top of my head, I'd say the ones that I enjoyed the most were the the Hulk versus Wolverine half of that movie. I thought that was great because of Deadpool. And yeah. then I, I probably would say I enjoyed Doctor Strange, but I think I'm in the minority on that as far as DVD sales go. But I, I thought that was pretty well done. Because I, you know, I guess I'm not one that typically enjoys magic stuff, whether it's Harry Potter or, you know, I'm like, I'm like Iron Man and Superman. I'm like, uh, magic. But like, I, <laughs> I did enjoy that direct video. So I thought that that speaks highly of, of its uh, quality. I like the first Ultimates video, but then like everyone after that, I really haven't enjoyed it all. Yeah, I think I saw you railing on Planet Hulk <laughs> a couple of days ago, Brian. <clears throat> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That was a uh, remorseful purchase. Hey, as long as as long as Silver Surfer's not getting the beat down and it's Beta Stupid Bill, I think I'm okay. With that. <laughs> yeah, isn't that his new name now? Marvel Comics Beta Stupid Bill. Beta Stupid Bill. I'm all I'm all Beta Ray Bill fan. Send your angry emails to <laughs> fanholespodcast at gmail dot com. I was going to say I haven't I haven't seen it, but I always hear like the kit the kid Avengers one is pretty decent. I, I enjoyed that. I mean, I didn't think it was, you know, I, I kind of expected to be like, oh, great, but, like, it, it was yeah, fine. Yeah, everyone I, says I, that's, like, good despite itself. And then and then when you read, like, Bendis' first Avengers arc, then you want to, like, slit your wrists, because if you actually like that, then, then you read the other one, then you get all upset. But, yeah. <laughs> then you're sad. But, yeah, I mean, but not only that, but Marvel doesn't do a very good job of hyping their own stuff either. Like, Iron Man, they went balls to the wall because they had, like, you know, a live-action movie. Then, like, Doctor Strange was, like, you know, I think it was like on a Monday. They're like, "Coming Tuesday, tomorrow, Doctor Strange." Bye. You know, I was like, "What?" Yeah. yeah. Well, they've seemed to slow down on that whole direct-to-video thing. Maybe once other movies come out. I mean, I know they had that Thor movie, and that was the last one, and that was just kind of so-so. You know, the Son of Asgard or whatever. But that was the last one. You know, sort of tied into the movie. But it's not like they tried to release a Captain America one, which I think is interesting. And you know, I don't know if they're going to try and do anything like that for when the Avengers comes out, but, you know, they, yeah. they seem to have slowed down on their whole 
direct to video front whereas we we know that there's you know Justice League Doom is coming out and we know that there's going to be a Dark Knight Returns and maybe the Superman Elite thing and you know maybe some other stuff down the road so it seems like Warner Animation has a lot of things in the pipeline whereas the the Marvel Animation doesn't have as much in the pipeline but I guess they have a lot more live action movies come out like Ghost yeah. Rider and the Avengers and Iron Man 3 and stuff like that I was going to ask, does Marvel have, like, a single studio behind its animated properties? You know, kind of like Warner uh, Brothers? Most is... of the ones, I think, that we've been watching come out of Lionsgate. Okay. So, yeah. so that's who, I think, does a lot of the, the stuff, you know, no, for, I know the Hulk movies for, did. for the direct-to-video, at least. But th- that's why I think there was, like, some discrepancy, because that's probably why Silver Surfer couldn't be in it for some reason. I don't understand how all the sort of embargoes work, but I, I think, like, you know, some characters, like Batman, maybe there's, like, an exception to the rule. So it seemed like it seemed like Wolverine could be in Hulk versus Wolverine, obviously, and stuff like that. But for some reason, I think, what, I don't know if it was because Silver Surfer was in the, the superhero squad at the time or what the deal was, but for some reason, the Surfer couldn't be in Planet Hulk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is just, you know. Which is just fine with me. So I don't have to, I don't have to get upset that the Hulk beat the crap out of uh, the Savage Surfer. And fry. <laughs> like, don't beat up my favorite Marvel character! <laughs> At least the Hulk could actually possibly have better chance than I don't know T'Challa, but anyway, um, <laughs> at least that would at least kind of make sense. I don't know. Hey, here's a random thing. I don't know why it just popped in my head, but on a toy front, because we don't really get a chance to do like toys a whole lot around here. I know they did some McGinnis style actually from the storyline. Some of those DC Direct toys, right, for Public yeah. Enemy. Yeah. But is there any like like you're talking about like you know in the style of maybe a Dark Knight or? Superman, John Byrne style Superman, would you be like down for that? Like if they decided to come out with toys for that some reason? I haven't, like I said, I haven't. I know you I don't collect, bought, but would you I be haven't like, bought toys in a long time. But I think I've always been a little weary of. I like seeing styles drawn on the comics. I like seeing styles attempted at animation. But like, I think with the the figures, like I don't. It, it feels odd to me because it seems like if you're a collector. Your Hush Superman does not fit with your McGinnis Captain Adam. You know, so that's always been problematic to me where I'm like, dude, you have a Tim Sale Batman or a Michael Turner Superman and you put them together and like they look wrong, you know, like together. You know, so I've always been kind of weary of that. But I I can see why people, you know, who enjoy like the specific storylines would get a kick out of, you know, seeing them, you know, modeled so specifically on character, you know. Yeah. What, what about you, Brian? I know you're a pretty big superhero figure collector. I agree with Derek, actually. He he summed it all up pretty well. I don't know. Like, the way I have my stuff displayed, it's like, you know, the entire Marvel Universe is on, like, two or three shelves. And then the entire DC Universe is on a couple more shelves next to it. So to have, like, you know, really drastically different toys, like, I couldn't really do that. So myself, I'd prefer to have them more similar, I suppose just kind of a turn off for you and be like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Well, I even noticed that like when I used to collect the old toy biz lines, you know, it's like, it's like you'd get a domino figure who was like a repaint of like Polaris or something or, or, or a repaint <laughs> of rogue or whatever. And it's like this tiny little toy, but then next to it, it's like, I'm sugar man. And I'm like 10 times as big as you or whatever. Or, <laughs> yeah, you, get, like, or you get like a white queen generation X figure. Who's actually a head bigger 
than the rogue, and the rogue looks like her face is like a tiny little button compared <laughs> to the white queen who looks like she's got a balloon head, and you're just kind of like, these don't match up. My head hurts. <laughs> like, for a long time, I wanted a Booster Gold figure, but at, at the time I was wanting them, this was quite a few years ago, like the DC Universe Classics or whatever, they didn't have Booster Gold at that time. So the the only one I could find was, like, from the 52 toy line. Oh, and that's okay. the one with the small little, like, wiener-looking thing in his crotch. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> for that reason alone, like, I held off for, like, a year of buying Booster Gold because I was like, every time I picked that up, I just kept staring at his crotch. I'm like, this doesn't fit. So I don't want to see Booster's Booster. I'm sorry. Then you're like, damn you, DC. Because Mattel eventually released a regular Booster Gold for that. DC Universe line, didn't they? Yeah, that's after I already broke down, though, so I haven't looked it. You're like, son of a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> DC Direct, like, does some really weird stuff sometimes. I'm just, like, waiting for one day to, like, look through the... Because they slowed down a little bit since DC UC is out, but they still yeah. release figures, but, like, you know, I'm just waiting for, like, you know, you know, grisly deaths of, like, the DC Universe, you know, Jason Todd being bludgeoned by a crowbar... Barbara Gordon being shot through the spine by Joker, and of course everyone's favorite Ted Kord's head being blown apart by Max Lord. You know, I want the special like Superman with with dead Kara Zor-El bock up in his arms. <laughs> I want I want the dead Pete Ross in a box. Nice <laughs> Ross in a box. <laughs> See, we hit we hit pay dirt on the first guy. That's that's one thing I've always kind of I'm the same way in a way. There's some toys I've seen. Like like the beginning guys, the the ones DC Direct did, they actually did kind of turn me off because I, they they went too far with his style. It's like the way he draws, it's still proportionate. Yeah, they're they're huge muscle guys, but it still looks good. But the way they drew, the way that they designed them, even though they were from McGinnis's drawings, you know, thing is, is like he's an artist. He doesn't always mean that you can design toys. You know, sorry. But, like, they all had these, like, akimbo arms that were, like, sticking out of the side of their, like, bodies. And it just, you know, it kind of reminded me of that joke where, like, you know, like, you know, t- you know muscle, like, the Robin Williams said, like, you know, bodybuilders can't, like, wipe because their arms can't reach around them, you know? <laughs> it's like, they just looked like they were very immobile. And I can understand why that aesthetic would really turn you off. Because, like, like Brian said, like, the DCUC, like, most of those guys all fit together. You know, you don't look at, like, Eclipso and go... Oh, he doesn't fit with Superman at all, or you know, he totally makes Scarecrow look like a different universe. So I, I understand the whole display purpose thing. Yeah, that's pretty pretty much a thing. Do you think there would ever be like video games based on like certain storylines? I can't think of any out the top of my head. Well, I guess some of the older video games, you know, there's, there's a lot of Carnage. Video. Come on, yeah, Max. Well, I'm talking about like <laughs> Oh no, DC did have the the death. Death, and death of yeah, yeah. But speaking of video games, before we move on, is anyone getting Arkham City? Like, I think it comes out the 18th. So, like, like I was saying to, to you before, I'm a I'm a cheap bastard. But along those lines, I did pick up Arkham Asylum and War for Cybertron for less than twenty. Hey, so, so that's we why should, we should play War for Cybertron. That's fun online. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm not a big gamer, and I don't have a console system, but it is coming out for the PC, too, so there is there's a little bit of interest in maybe getting it for the old PC and trying it out. I do have a gamepad, so... Yeah, I was going to say, being a brawler might be weird with keyboard, but if you got a gamepad... No, I do a, yeah, I do a lot of retro oh, uh, gaming, so I enjoy my retro gaming. 
but yeah, yeah, I, I'm definitely interested in Arkham City. I, I like the current GameStop commercial with like Batman at the circus, and he's like, you know. I don't know. Is it just me? Like, am I am I weird? Like, I, I find it odd hearing Kevin Conroy's voice coming from a video gamey looking Batman. You get used to it pretty okay. fast, like in the yeah. actual game. Like, you're like, yeah, it, it does look weird at first, and then you're just like, okay, it's Batman. Yeah. I was just thrilled that Arlene Sorkin's still doing Harley. Yeah, she was pretty good. Makes my day because she she's she's always going to be Harley. I mean. I mean, I don't mind when new people try like to do Batman or Joker. I'm totally cool with that, but I do, I do have my favorites. I'm not gonna lie. You know, it's just like, hey, give it a Mark Hamill's back this game right again for the very last time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. His yeah. last time until the next one. Until the next last time. Until the next paycheck. This is the last one he's doing, guys. So. <laughs> he's 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 been chomping at the bit to get back to doing Hobgoblin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really hate to cut this a little bit short, but we do have a little bit of a time constraint this week. We have one of our fan holes members who he needs to sleep or something at some point because of like work. What sleep? Sleeping's it? good, you know. Yeah, we're we're good. We we discussed all this stuff that that I wanted to talk about, so I think that's good. And again, you know, Starfire girls and fans of Beta Ray Bill, you can send all your angry <laughs> emails to fanholespodcast at gmail dot com. I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, we can we can totally talk about comics all night. I mean, it's it's such a uh, the especially the stories we talked about. They are very important parts of the comic, you know, fandom, canon, you know, history, all that good stuff. So if you haven't for some reason read any of these uh, issues, totally pick them up. They're even if you're not a comic fan, I will actually you know go there and say you will not be disappointed reading these stories. They're just good stories. On that note, however, I want to go ahead and say try to pick up the Batman DVD coming out this Tuesday. Year one, if you're interested, you know, if you like Batman, you'll probably enjoy it. If not, you might just be a little bit disappointed. You never know. All the all the Starfire hater girls, there's a super sexy Catwoman short as well, and lots of strippers. So I'm sure you you will all want to pick that up for your six year old daughter and then complain <laughs> about it online. So be sure to be sure to get that as well. Send all your angry emails to Warner Brothers at. <laughs> <laughs> Send all your angry emails to fanholes, care care of Warner Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll let them know. Yeah, we'll pass it on. We're, we're cool like that. One thing that we will do before we get off the air this evening, folks, we haven't done this in so long. I'm, I'm, I'm even more excited than I usually am. We're going to talk about our awesome thing this week. This has been a while, and I actually think I have something that I'm actually pretty happy to release upon the masses. No, don't think that way. That's dirty. But I'm going to just throw it to somebody else to start off with. I'm going to go with Justin. What's something awesome in your world this week? Well, I I watched the Thing prequel last night, which confusingly is also called the Thing. And I thought it was really good. I was kind of afraid because, you know, I I really enjoyed John Carpenter's uh, version of the Thing. So I thought, you know, they were just going to you know, try and recapture that. But it, you know, there was a lot of similarities between Carpenter's thing and this prequel, but in the end, it ended up being its own movie, and there were a lot of nice nods to the thing, like, you know, when they go to the camp and you see, like, you know, the camp's been damaged and you see, like, an axe in the wall, like, you see how all this stuff happened in this prequel. So I really enjoyed it, and, you know, if you enjoyed Carpenter's version of the thing, I think you'll get a kick out of it. I really wish I had more free time because I want to see this movie kind of bad. 
Yeah, and it looks interesting. It definitely, there definitely seems to be a little bit of Carpenter love. It looks pretty damn creepy, so I'll give you oh, that. I'll give you that. I'm sure one or two months from now, it'll be on the Region 5 Russian <laughs> DVD, and then three months from now, you could just get the regular thing, so I'm sure you'll you'll see it soon enough. Like, Yeah, it'll be, it'll be somewhere. We'll go, ahead, we'll go ahead and flip over to Derek. What's your awesome thing this week? I'm going to go with, I got my, my first shipment of Amazon stuff that I ordered for, for my birthday or whatever, and the first pack I got had the Complete Gem series, so now outrageous. I have I officially have the that series completed because before I had like the Rhino DVDs, but kind of like GI Joe, they stopped like and didn't finish. So I was like all heartbroken and stuff that I didn't get to see the Golden Haired Stinger Band or whatever. You know? <laughs> but I want to see those guys too. But like you know, the Rhino DVDs didn't go that far. I, so far, I only watched the special features. There's lots of it's surprising to me, but the the quality for the the TV commercials, like, it looks like they got them off some really high-end VHS tapes, but they, they look really good considering, you know, and so I was kind of, like, cracking up watching all the old commercials. It's like, this stage is the gem stage, and you can make Jerrica's house, and you can record songs there, and it's a cassette player, you know? And it's just like, I was like, awesome, this is cool. So, yeah, that was kind of cool. And then the, the other two things that came in the mail from Amazon is I got the, uh, the Friendly Ghost Casper, the complete collection from 1945 to 1963. So I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, it's got, like, all the, the Casper stuff in order. And then I, I plugged this, like, a couple weeks, or not a couple weeks. It's probably been, like, a couple months back now. I think when we were doing the DBZ podcast, but it finally came out, which is Caesar and Otto's Summer Camp Massacre, which is the the film that I was in in late 2007, right before I left Los Angeles. So that that film was officially released on October the 4th, and it got mailed to me, you know, a couple days ago when I got all this stuff in the mail. And so that's been released, so people can pick that up if they want to. Like I said before on the other podcast, it's kind of like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein or the Wolfman, except for it's more like these two wacky guys, Caesar and Otto, you know, kind of meet, you know, sleepaway camp or, you know, Camp Massacre or Crystal Lake, any kind of, you know, slasher type camp scenario. Cool, cool. Yeah, definitely check us out. Support your local actor, Derek. <laughs> um, I'm going to flip over now to... We're going to Brian. I'm sure Brian has something cool this week. I would be a terrible, terrible human being if I didn't say my awesome thing of not only the week, but the year has been the birth of my son. So he's my awesome thing. Parker, I love you. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you arrived safely and healthy. Awesome. Yes, we have, we have yet another member of the fan holes continuum joining us. New, yep. new little fan hole in the making. Heck yeah. Sure to raise him right, surrounded by Transformers. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and go next. I want to save uh, Mike for last. Not for any special reason, just because, why not? Last but not least, as, as they always say. I've got two awesome things this week, because it has been a little while since we've done a full podcast. One's going to be kind of short, just because it's just two toys I picked up last week, actually. Um, I got the Pursuit of Cobra slash 30th Anniversary Hazard Viper and Cobra Soldier from the G.I. Joe line. And... While these are just great figures right out of the gate, I, I just love them. They're so detailed, and they like look so just flipping awesome. The main reason I am so excited to have like these new Joes is that 
for the last year and a half, or almost two years now, yeah, two years now, all we've been really getting is flipping movie figures, and it really started to piss me off. Because the movie sucked. Well, especially the toys. And now that they, like, started to kind of bring out more traditional style, but with, like, the whole 25th, you know, articulation and even more detail, just great figures. Pick them up. Hazard Viper, Cobra Trooper, you will not be disappointed. Excellent, excellent toys. But the other thing I was going to be pimping out this week, it's something that's been around for a while, but I've just found it myself. It's a YouTube channel. It's called Marble Hornets. Sounds weird, but... It's actually very, very cool. That's the only word I can come up with. It's basically like Lonely Girl 16 if it had a plot and it was actually good. It's like this story that starts off like it's real life. You know, they're talking about like this guy who his friend moved away from college and he was filming this little very pretentious little student film called Marble Hornets. And his friend just moved away and he was like never understood why. So his friend let him have the tapes. He started watching them and getting into them and stuff and trying to find out why maybe he left so much. And instead of, you know, going with the whole dramedy thing or, you know, being, you know, a mental breakdown. No, it gets fucking creepy, yo. (laughs) (laughs) You start seeing some weird shit. It kind of has like that almost like it has like that horror game thing, you know, with like Silent Hill slash also like paranormal activity. The stuff seems like it could be really happening, but there's definitely enough of a supernatural bent to where you get really freaked out when they do like their little scares and stuff. You know, it's, it's definitely something that has a lot of quality to it. It's something you can watch and be like, yeah, it's not a Hollywood blockbuster, but these dudes have put some work into it. It's up to 51 episodes. They range anywhere from the longest one I watched was 14 minutes. The shortest one is like minute 30. It's basically just ongoing, kind of like kind of like a vlog, but you can tell after a while it's obviously episodic. It's supposed to be a show. It's been going on for two, two years. Just look up Marble Hornets on a YouTube search. You will find it. It starts off amusingly enough. Who would know? Who would have thought? With Entry 1. Put Entry 1, Marble Hornets, and you'll start, start the series off from the beginning. I highly recommend it. Okay, now that I've talked forever, I'm going to go to Mike. What is your awesome thing this week, sir? Man, we should have let Brian go last. We can't top that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but uh I know, right? Yeah. I just wanted to mention some various TV related things that I'm enjoying or anticipate enjoying in the near future. The Walking Dead premieres tomorrow night and I'm looking forward to that. I know you are too, Tony, and a couple Indeed. a couple of you others are too, but I know Tony mentioned it. Young Justice has been pretty good recently. The last few episodes are good. Yes. I, Thunder yeah. Boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Superboy hate monkeys. Uh, yep, Superboy's hatred of monkeys has been given <laughs> deep and impactful exploration. South Park, the last few episodes have been really funny, especially this past week's where, where they uh, dealt with immigration. And the last pretty... of the Mexicans. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you've you've heard of Mexican salsa, but Mexican pride. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that, that was some good stuff. The I on the anime side of things, I watched the first episode of the latest Gundam series, Gundam Age, and it was pretty good. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, the design people are kind of put off by the designs because the designs are kind of like cartoony and kiddish. Actually, it was a good first episode, and I look forward to seeing more of that. 
And also, in a couple weeks, like, the next episode of Gundam Unicorn comes out, and that's a friggin', yeah, that's the friggin' awesome fan-wank G1 series for, like, you know, (laughs) uh, old, hardcore Gundam fans, like, yeah, me and Derek, so, yeah, that's, that's UC Gundam, or G1 Gundam, G for Gundam, yeah, but, yeah, (laughs) looking forward to that, and it's about it. Cool, cool. Lots of awesome stuff this week. I do have to... Agree with Mike though. Nothing beats bringing a new life into the world. So again, congrats, Brian. That's that's, that's very awesome. Thank you. No problem, sir. No problem at all. Yeah. Uh, all in all, I think we did a pretty good job this week summing up the uh, comic adventures of Batman and Superman at their apexes, if you will. Tony. Um. Yes. Do you feel like we may have used up all our power? I think so. I, I think. You know, we may have used up all our power. I mean, what, what do you think? Up all uh, our power. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sadly, I, I think we will have to go for this week. Uh, just to let you know, Sidecast will still be going on. We have done quite a few this week, actually. So keep an eye out for the wonderful, wacky video misadventures of your uh, favorite fan holes. Got a lot of cool stuff planned. We do have a Halloween-themed episode. I'm hopefully going to be able to air before the end of October, so keep an eye out for that. Won't tell you what it's going to be about. We'll keep Woo! you. I know, scary. <laughs> <laughs> Suspense is suspenseful. <laughs> but yeah, keep an eye out for stuff on the uh, Facebook page. We also have a Twitter. Of course, it has been said again. Angry emails can be <laughs> forwarded to fanholespodcast at gmail dot com. We're around everywhere, guys. Just throw us a little bit of a uh, love. Let us know if you like it or if you hate it. Hey, we're we're cool with hate. We we hate on things all the time. Show us show us your Show us your power. Your and, hate has made us powerful. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just let us know what you think, you know, and get back into the fan holes continuum every week. We will always be posting new, stunningly funny podcasts and other type of media. And until then, I'm going to go ahead and sign off. This is Tony Chankwell. Hey, this is Brian Breakdown. Hey, this is Derek PH3ARWC. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is Mike Thundering, and yes, Father, I shall become a bat. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the Grimlock of Earthx. Alright, guys, we'll see you next time on Fan Holes. And justice.